Welcome to the Wicked Cruel Podcast. I'm Vilma. I'm Mary. Did we do that right? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I and think this we is, did that right. This is episode eight, guys. Holy shit. Yeah. Pretty crazy. <laughs> <laughs> that's eight weeks. That's two months of doing a yeah. podcast. And it is so much fun. It is. Yeah. Yeah. When we first started, we were like, oh, you know, it's it's okay like we can back out at any time yeah we're invested this is what we look forward to every week so (laughs) it has made us feel alive again yes it's been fun how's your week been it's Uh, friday it is friday yes (laughs) well it's been a week you know (laughs) um i am totally creeped out by that tiktok you posted oh my god okay so i posted a tiktok everybody because you know i'm you know, a millennial that's just trying to be young again. <laughs> um, and it was a, a long time ago. Well, you'll just, maybe I should just be like, oh, you have to watch the TikTok. Oh, yeah. <laughs> if you want to know what we're talking about, watch no. the TikTok. <laughs> I'm just, just kidding. kidding. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't care that much. Um, so I was cheer coach about five years ago when I first started teaching um, a whole nother very dark period in my life. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so basically the girls their parents were late a lot picking them up. So like Friday nights and Tuesday nights when we'd have like basketball games and football games, um, they would turn a lot of the lights off. And so there was one night that like all of the girls had left. It was probably midnight or after. And I was like, okay, I'm going to run back to my classroom, grab my stuff, and then I'm going to head out. And I took, I came through these double doors and there was like this really long hallway that I had to walk down and it was dark. I wasn't freaked out or anything because it was kind of a newer building, new-ish. I mean, like new by like 20 years old. Um, So I took a picture like facing down the hallway and then like one of my friends was like, you know, bitch, you better run. And I was like, why? And then she tells me, you don't see her? Yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> this is literally almost word for word in the TikTok. There's so. someone behind you. <laughs> yeah. So, well, and so like looking in it, you can pretty much see a ghost and it still haunts me till this day. And I'm not one that really, I believe in like demons and spirits and, but I don't really believe in like ghosts, but yeah. there's something in that picture. This, this made her a believer. <laughs> yeah. We're close to it. Yeah, yeah. There's, yeah, it's a creepy picture. If you like have any doubts that ghosts exist, you probably shouldn't look at it because it'll make you think like, okay, yeah, it's real. <laughs> it, yeah. It was creepy. It's one of two times that anything has ever happened to me and it's oh, the supernatural, the supernatural. Yeah. It, it was it's fucked up. It doesn't even look like a nice ghost. It looks like a ghost that was about to attack me. And yeah. My, my dumbass is just like, dude, <laughs> taking a picture. <laughs> yeah. Crazy. So, yeah. Um, but I'll, you know, I mean, I guess we could post it to the Instagram. Oh, yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Creepy, creepy, creepy. Pretty cool. Yeah. Speaking I of ho- creepy. Yeah. Creepy. Let's get into our murders. Murders. <laughs> murders. Yeah. Um, I have a story for you. Um, it took place in Garden Grove, California, which if you're not familiar with California, it's like Orange County. Okay. So, so I'm still, that is that area. south or north? Southern. Okay. Yeah. Um, and it's a story about the Najera family. Um the year is 1999. 
okay. people were partying like it's 1999 <laughs> just kidding like I don't know anything about partying like 1999 I was 12 you know <laughs> I don't know I was nine we both kind of look 90s today oh yeah I feel I like yeah yeah I can see it you're wearing your MTV shirt I am yeah. and I have like two little buns yes very cute you have all the eyeshadow on yeah it looks beautiful <laughs> I love it so my eyeshadow I took a chance with it because you know fun podcast night um it's actually from the animal crossing palette which Vilma and i are both obsessed, obsessed with. yeah animal, animal crossing, crossing. <laughs> they did a collaboration with ColourPop, and so yeah i'm i'm wearing green eyeshadow but i wouldn't normally they're not this. sponsors we just really <laughs> like this yes and we're really excited to see see their stuff yeah but um yeah, so uh, the year is 1999, and um, I think when it was that, like, uh, what's it called when it's the last night? New Year's Eve. New Year's yes. Eve, yes. Yeah. Um, Ooh, Y2K. Y2K, yeah. Everybody was freaking out about that. I remember hearing on the news that, like, crazy things were going to happen uh-huh. and all kinds of stuff. But actually, I remember that night because... What I was going to do, my crazy night at 12 years old, <laughs> there was going to be a Twilight Zone marathon. Oh my and gosh. The Twilight Zone was my jam. I like, love it. I loved it. Like, I just loved, I loved everything about it. I think yeah. I've been into the creepy stuff, yeah. <laughs> you know, from the get. Like, my son. Yeah. He was, he was born really close to Halloween. So I feel like he's just my creepy child. Yes. Loves everything black spooky yep. halloween all day He's every day the kid that literally we went to like a halloween store when he was younger and like nothing scared him he was yeah. just like hi yeah Ooh, like to the giant scary creatures yeah yeah he's awesome but okay back to the story um so the najera family um there was a mom and a dad so the dad was jose najera and the mom was elena Najera, and they had uh, one child. Well, he was a young man. He was 19 um, at this time. And he went by Joe because his name was Jose Najera Jr. Usually, mm-hmm. I'm surprised he didn't go by Junior because usually mm-hmm. when you have the same name as your dad, you just go by Junior. Yeah. Anyway, he went by Joe. And the parents, they were like a really hardworking couple, immigrants. You know, the dad was a part time cook and he was also a construction worker. Like he um, put together. Uh, portable classrooms Mm -hmm. and then the mom was a seamstress so when I was reading this story I was like oh that's so relatable because my dad is a construction worker my mom is a seamstress so I was like okay I can relate but uh they had their only son Joe and they loved him obviously everything they did was to give him a good life Mm -hmm. you know worked hard all day every day um the dad actually you know working construction when he had jobs really far away, he had to get up like at four in the morning. So I can understand, you know, how much emphasis they put on his schooling because they wanted a better life for him. So they wanted him to get such a good education that they actually put him in a private Catholic school. Um, It was called Matter Day High School. And it was a school that was mostly for like richer kids. Mm. So... I can't even imagine, you know, how much that would have cost. But um, (laughs) according to the school administrators and like his teachers, Joe was a good kid. Mm -hmm. Like he wasn't like the best student academically, but he was a little bit on the loud side, kind of like a class clown, got along with everybody. Um, Because, 
you have to. Like, if you're not an athlete and you're not rich, you're like the poor kid in school, right. you've got to have something going you for you. You have a good personality. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he was, um, he was in choir. He was really good at that. He loved the spotlight. And he even won, like, an award for one of the one of the musical productions that they put together. So so here we have Joe, you know, at this private school. And then his best friend was like the complete opposite of him. His friend was named uh, Gerald Johnson. And Gerald was more of a shy guy. And he came from a pretty well-off family. Like his mom and his dad were both doctors. So they lived in a nicer town called Villa Park. And in Villa Park... That's like where all the rich people go to like start a family. Okay. So he came from from money and he did have siblings. He was the youngest of three, three kids. He was honor roll student. He was like super involved with the school's TV production studio. So whenever there was an athletic event, a musical, a play, he was like in charge of recording it. So he was more like a behind the scenes kind of guy. Okay. And... So I feel like that's kind of funny because they make an odd pair, but yeah. pretty inseparable, I guess, because it's like yin and yang. Almost, yeah, though. and I think because uh, Gerald was more of a shy guy and didn't really have a lot of friends, and mm-hmm. Joe kind of was like, "Hey, that would be your friend," yeah. you know. So maybe that's why they had such a strong bond. But everyone knew them as being really good buddies. So it was no surprise that when um, Gerald decided to throw a kickback at his nice, super nice house <laughs> uh, three days after Christmas, so right before New Year's, um, Joe was like sure, surely going to go to it. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you remember, like that's what we called them, kickbacks. Yeah. Because yep. it wasn't a party right. per se, but it was just like it people just hanging a couple out. Friends. It was yeah. like, you know, six to ten, maybe right. a little kickback. Chill. Yeah. You're not gonna get too crazy. Right. Well, um, Joe actually had to sneak out of his bedroom window to go to the to the little party because his parents were super strict with him. Mm-hmm. So and it was a Tuesday night. Oh, yeah. I mean, granted, they weren't in school, mm-hmm. but um, Joe was still taking classes. So he hadn't graduated yet. He was like trying to finish yeah. his graduation. So he was taking classes and um, working with his dad, too. So his dad didn't really want him going out. So to go to the to uh, Gerald's house, he had to sneak out of the house. So he went out through the window and then... um. Once he got to Gerald's house, it was just Gerald, Joe, and then two of their friends, um, Brian Smith and Vince Torres. So what they did that night, they just like were shooting pool and drinking and just Mm -hmm. kind of being like guys, you know. So it's like these four guys just hanging out. And I guess Joe was having a really good time because he didn't like realize what time it was. And it was almost four and he's like I gotta go home like Mm -hmm. if I don't go home like I'm gonna get caught so um he got home around four in the morning and then he climbed back in through his window but he realized that his windowsill was like bloody like there was blood on it so he's like what the heck you know so he went inside his bedroom and the bedroom door was open Uh and he walked in and was like what is going on like something's wrong and he found his dad, like, in one of the bedrooms. His mom and his dad slept in separate bedrooms. Okay. And he went into the bedroom where his dad was sleeping, and he was, like, 
completely covered in blood. And on the floor, his mom completely covered in blood. So they had both been stabbed to death. Um, Yeah. So he calls police right away and he's like super distraught, you know, crying like my parents are dead. Somebody killed my parents. Um, And the police come to the to the crime scene. Um, So the the detectives theorized that the killer had to have come in through the same window that Joe left unlocked. Oh, no. And he even said that Joe's like, it's my fault. I left the window unlocked, you know, and he explained where he was. Mm-hmm. And there was it didn't look like there was forced entry, like through any of the doors or other windows. So the police were like, yeah, that's probably where the murder came. The murderer came in through. Mm-hmm. Um, and they think that. Uh, Jose Najera Sr. was murdered first because he was in the bedroom where he normally slept and he had like fallen asleep there like still in his work clothes from the night before or from the day before that like breaks my heart because I'm thinking like this hardworking man like doesn't even change into PJs like he just goes to sleep you know the last thing he's thinking of is that he's gonna be killed you know Mm -hmm. so he was slashed along the left side of his face his ear and his left arm and it looks like there was a struggle because um the way he was like positioned it wasn't like he was just stabbed in the bed like he it looked there was blood like on the wall so maybe he like tried to fight the intruder but like eventually you know i mean he stabbed him like 20 times and then they think that the mom probably heard like all the commotion from the other bedroom and then ran in because of the way like her body was facing it looked like she had come in through the door and then like was immediately attacked and stabbed 20 times like in her chest so yeah pretty gruesome yeah yes like super super gruesome um and so while they're at the scene, like at the crime scene, the detectives recovered a black ski mask that must have been ripped off of the intruder, like during the attack, because obviously it wasn't the parents' mask yeah. and it wasn't Joe's. That's the only thing that makes sense. So at least they had that. And then they also took a cleaver and a nine-piece knife set from the house so that they could examine it to see if, you know, you know, possible murder weapons. So while they were searching the house, they found that Elena, the mom, her purse was still there and she had quite a bit of cash in it. She had almost $5,000, but none of it had been taken and none of the other rooms had been touched. So whoever did this literally went in there apparently to kill the dad. Not sure if the mom was also a target, but I mean, if the ski mask came off... Yeah. So maybe somebody they knew if she did, recognized him. It does not sound him. like a robbery. Right, yeah. So they had um, they had the, the crime scene. It was super gruesome. And they were trying to, you know, calm Joe down, but at the same time be like, okay, well, where were you, you right. know? And he's like, well, I was at a friend's house. Like, I've they got my buddies. They me. can vouch for me. Um, and they're like, okay, so obviously we're going to have to talk to your friends. But the police go and interview a neighbor and the neighbor was around Joe's age. So he knew Joe and the neighbor's like, well, I did see like a suspicious vehicle outside of the house um, around the time that you guys think the murder happened, which would have been like three o'clock in the morning. And um, he said that the suspicious vehicle was a gray Toyota Corolla. So the police have the ski mask, you know, 
they've got to have some sort of DNA on it. Mm -hmm. And then they have the description of the vehicle. So they're off to a good start. So they they interview um, Joe and his friends that were at the kickback. And so they're each other's alibi. So a few days after the, the murders had happened, the case was still like at a standstill because they had the the DNA on the mask, but they just didn't really have anybody, like no other suspects, like nobody was coming forward with any information that could really help them. Um, but that was until this girl walked into a police station and her name was um, Marielle, Marielle Villatuya. And she uh, heard about the murders from her school friends because they knew who the Najeras were, mm-hmm. you know, Joe's parents. Sure. So, and word tra- was traveling quickly, like this horrible murder happened. So she said, she went into the police station and she said something kind of weird happened after the murders. Um, Gerald, um, which is the guy that was hosting that kickback, yeah. the rich, shy guy friend, um, he's like, he him and I are pretty good friends and he came up to me and gave me this envelope and inside was a cashier's check for $20,000. And he said that he was giving it to her because he thought that she was a really good friend and he's like, the money is all legal. And she's like, okay, that's super sus because (laughs) why are you telling me this and why are you giving me $20,000? Right. So the police were like, huh, Gerald did this? Like, where did he get that money? Yeah. You know? So they're like, okay, so maybe we need to talk to him again. Mm-hmm. So a couple days after that, um, Gerald goes into the police station and he's like, one of my friends, that's a girl, she's like being harassed by someone. And I think it might have something to do with the murders. I'm not sure. He's like, but how are you guys doing on that case, by the way? Like, do you guys have any like suspects and any new leads? So womp womp. yeah, so I'm like thinking, dude, come on. Like, obviously, you're like fishing for yeah. some information and the police aren't stupid. So <laughs> The police were like, actually, we do have a few questions to ask you. Like, you know, where did you get this money, these, this $20,000 check to give to your friend? And he was like, oh, like my, my grandma or my grandpa, I can't remember what he said, but my grandma or my grandpa gave it to me. And they're like, okay, all right. I'm so, impressed the girl being a teenager. I feel like I was an idiot when I was a teenager. Right? And I would have been like, oh my God, thank you. Yes. Well, maybe at first she was, but then when she like, heard yeah, about the murders and knowing that those were Joe's parents, yeah. like his best friend. So maybe she's true. like, I want nothing to do with this. So I'm glad <laughs> she did that because, um, because yeah, that, that was the right thing to do. Marielle, if you're out there, you did the right thing. Good job. Um, so the police were like, all right, Gerald, um, will you give us a sample of your DNA? And he's like, yeah, okay. So um, he gives the DNA sample. And while they're getting all that together, the police are like, okay, so this is a suspect now. Um, and they had more questions for him, but they didn't get a chance to talk to him because when they went looking for him, they found out that Gerald had actually like vanished. Like he had disappeared from his house. He had gone to a fancy hotel and he ordered like a filet mignon and which made me think of you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, he wrote a suicide note for his parents, but he didn't go through with it. Okay. He didn't kill himself, but he was admitted to a psychiatric hospital. So the police 
uh, got the results from the DNA back, and wouldn't you know it, it was a match um, for Gerald. Surprise, surprise. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so the hair in the mask and the saliva, ew. <laughs> I forgot that that was a thing that they test for, ew, the spit all over it. But yeah, it was a match for him. So the police are like, okay, so now all of those boys need to be re-interviewed, yeah. you know? Um, Brian, Vince, Joe, you know, because obviously if Gerald was the one that did this. Yes. Why are they covering for him if they weren't involved? And, you know, let's get to the bottom of it. Yeah. So they bring in Brian and Vince and nothing. They're like, nope, like we didn't see him leave. And then they're like, well, actually, we think we might have seen him leave. We had been drinking. We're not too sure. (sighs) So, um, eventually they say, okay, w- we did see him leave, yeah. but he, you know, we, we didn't know before. We didn't give you that information because we, we were in shock and we didn't remember. So, but that's all they said. They mm-hmm. don't give any other helpful information. And Joe, when Joe is told about this, he's like, I, I don't why would he do that he's my friend you know why i don't think that's right so um obviously the guys know something that they are aren't telling the investigators but um they do agree the boys they say you guys could check our stuff you know we give you permission so they do the police go to um their homes their rooms check their cars and guess what vince's car was a gray toyota corolla so Obviously, Gerald used that car to get to Joe's parents' house. Yeah. So, I mean, how do you not know your car is missing? You this know? is just like more and more suspicious. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's like, come on, boys. Be smart. If yes. you're going to commit the crime, right. like, be smart. So, um, but nobody expected it because, I mean, those are Joe's parents. Yeah. You know? Like, nobody would do that to their own parents, right? So, um, Upon further investigation at the at Gerald's house, um, the garage had a shower in mm-hmm. it. And then this is just making me think, oh, wow. You know, <laughs> your garage has a shower? <laughs> you rich, rich. <laughs> but, um, so in the bathroom, in the shower, they found um, Jose Sr.'s DNA. So how in the world would his DNA Come on, be yeah. in that shower if they hadn't had something to do with the murder. Yeah. At least Gerald, mm-hmm. you know? So the boys, they keep their mouth shut, though. You know? Like, they just say, we we don't know where he went. We had no idea that this is what he was doing. But obviously, all the signs are pointing to Gerald. Um, so the police, uh, this is their story so far. Gerald left the party at some point, drove to Joe's house in one of his friend's car, you know, mm-hmm. uh, Vince's car, and then went in through the window, stabbed his friend's parents over 20 times each, and then went back out that same open window, leaving it a bloody mess. And then he went back home, showered, cleaned himself up. But, like, why? Like, why would he do this? Like, he didn't need the money, you know? He's a rich kid. So his girlfriend at the time was Jacqueline Gonzalez, and she was actually Joe's cousin. So that's how close those two were. Okay. Like dating, you know, he's dating my cousin. Yeah. Like they were best friends. And she said in an interview that Gerald had emotional problems and that he had been taking Prozac. But I mean, that doesn't really prove anything. No. Like 
that just kind of gives you like a little bit into his like mental health. It doesn't yeah. mean anything. It doesn't make you a murderer. All this DNA though, right. that makes you a murderer. <laughs> yeah. So Gerald uh, Johnson was arrested in, in 2000. They, they went to the psychiatric, psychiatric hospital and arrested him there. And he maintained that he was innocent. He's like, no, like I didn't do it. Mm-hmm. I didn't do it. Which baffles me because I'm like, dude, your DNA is at the crime scene. Like, they got you. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So, the prosecutor couldn't really put forth a clear motive for the attack, you know, and police just suspected that the people around him, like, the friends, they knew more about the killing than what they were telling investigators. But in any case, you know, with the DNA evidence, Gerald was convicted in 2002 for the death of both Jose and Elena Najera. And he was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. So while Gerald was, you know, serving his sentence, Joe moved in with his uncle and aunt in Anaheim. Um, If you don't know where Anaheim is, Anaheim is where Disneyland is, my favorite place in the world. (laughs) I've never been. Well. Because I was robbed of a childhood, that's okay. Um, But this is where where he went to live after, you know, his parents were murdered. Um, And he cut all communication with Gerald. Like, Gerald would try to, like, contact him, and he was like, no. I was going to, I was going to ask him, like, where is Joe in all this? Yeah, he's, like, not talking to Gerald. Yeah, because you murdered my parents, you asshole. Right, so, um, after Joe, like, after his parents died, it kind of paints, like, a different picture of him. Um, he spent, um, most of his time blowing through the loads of cash that his parents had left behind. Yeah, like there was a lot of money involved that I didn't mention before. So a month before they died, Joe had convinced his parents that because of Y2K, that they should take out all their money out of the bank, like all their savings, like their life savings. Yeah. And to put it in a safe deposit, safety deposit box, because it's better to have the cash than it is to keep it in the bank because mm. if there's a computer bug or Y2K problem, you know, he's like, just do it. He's like, trust me, like, this is better. And I can see his parents being like, you know, he's our son. He knows, you know, about technology. Yeah. Like, but really suspicious, That's right? suspicious, absolutely. So it was over $70,000 that they took Jesus. out. Um, they took it out and they had it in a safety deposit box. So, um... This safety deposit box, Joe had access to it. Joe Jr. Mm-hmm. And it was a safety deposit box that he was stealing money from in the weeks leading up to his parents' death. So when his parents found out that he had been taking some of the money, they were obviously super disappointed in him. Um, his dad was pissed, yeah. you know, because, you know, he's like, dude, like, what are you doing? Like, you're apparently he used some of that money, like, I don't know, $5,000 or something like that. Something ridiculous. He was going to try and buy drugs and then resell drugs. Be a drug dealer, pretty much. So he was trying to make money, but somehow, like, the drug drug deal <laughs> went wrong and yeah. he, like, lost all the money. So the dad's like, um, okay, dumbass. no. Yeah, you're a dumbass. <laughs> and you're going to have to, like, make up that money. You're going to have to come with me to work and, you know, 
we're gonna have to wake up early in the morning and, and go and do the work so joe obviously wasn't super happy about having these consequences honestly joe you're a piece of shit yes. like you know like whether you were involved in what happened to them or not, that is not some way to repay your parents no. who have worked their entire life to give you the best life. Right. So that safety deposit box continues to get drained in only a few months after his parents were murdered. So he was able to blow through all of their life savings in like just a few months. Oh and my God. Yes. And they had left, I mean, all their assets to him. Yeah. You know? And... What did he spend all this money on? Drugs, mm -hmm. strip clubs, gifts for his girlfriend, gifts for himself, his friends. Like, he wasn't a grateful kid at all. Like, he even, like, stopped paying for the mortgage on the house. So the house had to be foreclosed. So this is just heartbreaking because I just know how much, like, blood, sweat, and tears yeah. went into that money to have it just all go down the drain because Joe like like strippers you it know their like, legacy yeah it's like they worked so freaking hard their, for it and I'm yes, sure that's exactly. not the kind of childhood either one of them had I know so so that was Joe's life like after after that happened he just went on to have like several run-ins with the law over drug possession and then um he finally um he finally got what was coming to him and like, the police always knew that Joe knew more than what yes. he wanted wanted to admit. Um, but when they tried to... So they got a new, like, um, head investigator on this case. And that person went through all the evidence, like, from the beginning. Like, the 911 call, um, all, all the uh, interviews that they had with the neighbor and everything. Just to see if there was something that would be, like, enough to bring Joe in. Mm -hmm. And, like, actually charge him with something. Because all the boys had their stories straight. Yeah. So they couldn't really do anything, um, do anything to prosecute or, or charge him. So... They finally had something on him, and it was because um, Gerald, he had, um, what's it called when you can, oh, appeals. He had okay. gone through all his appeals yeah. because, you know, he maintained that he was innocent. So he had gone through all of them, and he's like, okay, I'm ready to talk. Um, and he said that it was Joe. Joe was the mastermind. He's like, he's the one that wanted me to kill his dad, and, you know, like, I I did it and I will give you more information so that you can get him if I get like a chance to get out of here. Yeah. So so the judge was like, "Okay, I think, you know, let's see what we can work out, but I don't think they really wanted to give him that opportunity because he did murder two he people. Did he yeah, did it. He did it, but but they needed his cooperation." Mm -hmm. So they finally had something so they could get Joe. But when they tried to get a hold of Joe, I mean, he is no dummy. You yeah. know, he's like, I'm not going to go and talk to you. So what they did is they pretended that um, they wanted to talk to him about some property that had been left. Mm -hmm. And if he wanted to claim it, you know, so they were like Smart. fishing. for, yeah. And they called him. He was like, yeah, I'll come meet you. Oh, so he went and met them. And then when they had him like... At yeah. the station, they were like, okay, actually, you know, we want to talk to you about the murder. Yeah. And um, they arrested him. Um, he was 
now 27 it was in 2008 and he was 27 and they arrested him and they charged him with two counts of murder for his parents and the special circumstance allegation that the killings were carried out for financial gain yeah and um he was denied bail obviously so um prosecutors are accusing him of being the mastermind you know behind the double slings and although he had been um like people suspected him he had never been like named a suspect before like officially but the police had publicly voiced the doubts that they that they had about him because they knew that he hadn't been forthcoming so what they did is they also got um they got uh, the other two boys um what were their names uh Vance no Vince and and Brian I'm like white and whiter. <laughs> Vince and Brian, they got they got their names and they're like, "Okay, let's go let's go talk to them again and see if if they'll give us something." Yeah. So, they did, you know. They they got some uh immunity because mm-hmm. they had lied before, but if they could nab Joe, who was the real mastermind, right. then that would be, you know, worth it. So, yeah, because nobody wants to be an accessory to murder. Right. Like. <laughs> yes, exactly. So the police now said that Joe plotted the murders with Gerald and that he left the window open on purpose so mm-hmm. that Gerald had a way to get into the house and that Joe's motive was the money. But it wasn't just the money because Joe knew how much his parents wanted him to get a good education and he wasn't doing that. Like, he... Remember I told you he was still taking classes? I mean, yeah. this is after the graduation. Like, he, and he's still trying to complete the classes. And he had even enrolled in some college courses. But out of the four, three of the classes dropped him. And he was flunking out of the fourth. So his parents didn't know about about this. So he knew that the report cards or whatever, they were going to be coming soon. And... If his parents found out a lot of like his childhood, they had threatened him. Like, if you don't do well, we're going to send you to Mexico with your grandparents and you're going to learn what it's like to work hard, Mm -hmm. you know, which is kind of funny to me because that is such like a real threat. Like (laughs) you do not want to have to go to Mexico or wherever, you know, Central America, wherever, and like have to take a cold shower, (laughs) drink the bad water. Like, I don't know. No kid that was raised here wants to go and live there. Yeah. Um. So, so those were the reasons that the prosecutor was like, you know, he was, he didn't want this, um, strict life anymore. He, and he knew that if he was living with his parents, that it was like their rules. So Gerald said that, um, he wanted his dad dead. And because he went in there and got caught by the mom, that she was never meant to die. Like, she went in there and his face mask was off so she had to go like oh my god so yeah so i mean it, it had to be it had to have been hard to like go back to the kickback and be like all right i did it but yeah i also had to off your mom you know like yeah, how do you even have like you cannot be a normal person to like have these conversations or even plan the murder of your father, you know? Even for the other two, like, to be an accessory, it's like, well, what is wrong with you? Well, this is the thing. The other two said, like, we knew that something was up, but they didn't know until 
after the fact. Until after. And Joe was like, you guys need to be Gerald's alibi. Like, you guys cannot tell the police that Gerald left this house or, you know. So they didn't know know what was going to happen, but I'm sure it wasn't easy to live with themselves for that Mm -hmm. long, you know, knowing that Joe was still out and Gerald is, like, imprisoned. So, um, and then it there was more like uh incriminating evidence because that neighbor that reported the suspicious car to the police when they he got interviewed well he had actually called joe on that night and he was like hey is everything okay there's like a weird car at your house and joe's like oh that's probably my dad like getting ready for work a it was too early yeah you know and b like wouldn't you be freaking out like oh shit my dad's awake he's gonna know i'm not home so they knew that Joe was definitely had something to do with it. Um, um, And then the point was that Joe was like also very emotionless after the murders. And that, you know, they say you never know how you're going to react to a tragedy until it happens. But something was off. And that's why the police like never stopped investigating it because they knew that they couldn't like rest easy knowing that Joe was still out there. They just didn't never had like the cooperation they needed. So the trial finally happened in 2010, 2010, and it included the testimony of the the two friends that were at the kickback that got the immunity to testify against Joe. And then um, they also um, they also said during the testimony that they they had seen Gerald come back home. Um, after doing something that he said that he had gone for a for a jog, and then he was like dressed like a ninja, like so an all black, yeah, and um that he had something dark smeared on his face, but that he said that he fell and there was mud. <laughs> like, oh how, who believes something like this? You know, um, seriously, like eye roll. <laughs> and then, so all of this information should have been brought up before, but. You know, it yeah. is what it is. Um, Joe st- still said, like, no, like, I'm innocent. I would never plan to do this, you know. And his defense team were like, yeah, Joe's innocent. Sure, he's a liar and a thief, but, you know, he's not a murderer. Um, <laughs> but with the testimonies and then the prosecutor's argument that Joe was after his parents' money, you know, the jury found Joe guilty. And he was convicted of first-degree murder of his father, second-degree murder of his mother, and he was sentenced to life in prison without parole, just like his best friend Gerald. But sadly, Gerald would never get to see Joe take the fall with him because three months after Joe was arrested, Gerald took his own life in prison. And the reason that he did that was because, you know, they didn't want to give him, like, a chance to be paroled and he got wind of that. Like, they're like, oh. we're not going to use your testimony. Yeah. We have enough with the other two. So, yeah, you're stuck in here. So he's like, fuck, just kill kill yeah. myself, I guess. You know? So Joe Najera Jr. is currently in a place called California Healthcare Facility Stockton. And he's serving life without parole. And this is a facility that provides, like, medical care and mental health care Um to inmates so obviously he's more than a little bit messed up Mm -hmm. like i don't know to what extent but i feel like that is what he deserves he's in there and he doesn't have his freedom and i hope that he has plenty of time to think about how he was involved and 
you know, not ever be able to rest easy because his parents are dead. Mm -hmm. So that's the story of the Y2K killings. That poor couple. That really, like, hits home because I'm like, ugh. I've never heard of that. Yeah. I've never heard that story before. That's, I mean... At first, like, I was really, I felt so bad for Joe. And I was like, oh, yeah. Man, like, can you imagine walking into that and seeing that? Seeing that, exactly. But then, like, I don't know. I felt like that was the direction it was taking. But I was like, oh, man. Yeah. It God. was it was suspicious from the start once yeah. Gerald went down for it. But, yeah, yeah you just can't imagine. I'm just, oh, Well, then like, I, in the beginning, I was like, well, what's, what luck to pick the one open window in exactly. the house? Exactly. Like, so how would like, you know? Something's off, yeah. but. Yeah. Wow. I know. I just, I feel bad for both the parents. I just can't, The I can't even imagine what the mom thought when she walked in and like, mm-hmm. first of all, recognized who was doing it. Yeah. You know? They'd probably, he'd probably been over there. They'd probably. <sighs> yeah. I just don't know how you could do that. And. Yeah. That's pretty crazy. I just don't understand being such like a follower like a sheep. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I just, just because you're mad that your parents aren't going to spoil you and you have to work hard for your money. Yeah. Like, that's literally what talk. It's not like, oh, I was being abused or anything right. like that. It was just like. He, you know, probably going to school with all these rich kids. Mm-hmm. He saw a lifestyle that he wanted, knew that he wasn't going to be able to get it with his current situation and just. Did whatever it took. Instead of working hard for it, exactly. he thought he was going to take the easy way out and he sucked at that. I know. He didn't even know how to spend his money. I know. It's just sad. Yeah. So sad. But Golly. Uh, yeah. So well. what's today's mini, Mary? Mary's mini. Mary's mini. So it's kind of a short one, but it's kind of cute. It's not really scary or gory or anything, Good. which is different we for need, me. Yeah, we need something light, though. <laughs> I feel like I haven't done... I feel like a lot of the stuff I do, even the minis, are, like, heavy. Yeah. Well, there's definitely weird. <laughs> We've definitely had some weird minis. Okay. So, this is the story of the urban legend mythical creature, the Puck Wedgie. Puck Wedgie? Puck Wedgie. What is this? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, Puck Wedgie, it's literally translated into person of the wilderness. Uh-huh. Um, and so this is kind of like a humanoid creature. Um, it's native to uh, North America. Okay. And so it can... USA. USA. <laughs> so much pride, even like, if in our humanoids. Yeah. Humanoid creatures. Neither one of us are that patriotic. Nah. Please understand. <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm like we're really not I mean we celebrate the 4th of July right not last year well, it's COVID year right? yeah true 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 okay so they've been described as being similar to a goblin or a troll um they only grow like three feet at the very tall at like the tallest oh. um they can shape shift into many different things such as like cougars and like scary big animals uh-huh um, so they often have human, they often kind of look like a human in the front okay. with kind of a dog nose and then the back looks like a porcupine. So have you ever seen the movie, The Village, M. Night Shyamalan? Yes, yes. Okay, so like that costume, but like yeah. T. 
teeny tiny. But tiny. Like if a child yes, was, wearing well, it, was wearing it. That's what I picture. But that's like a really a, good movie, by the way. Yeah. Wow, I love, I that, love movie. that movie. But they have like really long ears and like a weird nose and weird fingers. So like so. an elf? It's a co- yeah. combination of a yeah, lot of things. Like, okay. Yes. So it's very much like a combination. Yeah. yeah. Um. They can appear and disappear in front of people. Like leprechauns? Yes. Yeah, they've also been described as a leprechaun. Okay. Yeah. Um, so it's really weird. And they've been linked to shadow people, which like, you know me and shadow people. Mm-hmm. I think I've mentioned shadow people in like three episodes. They yeah. terrify me. Um, I couldn't really find how they're connected. Like, I don't know if they're considered the shadow people or what, but they're connected somehow. Um, they're known to be really mischievous, and they use magic. They launch poison arrows. They can create fire, just, like, randomly. Um, they can use mind control on people, and they can cause people's deaths. Oh, geez. So. What can't they do? <laughs> yeah, they, exactly. They can do everything. They're definitely, like, magic. They're magical creatures. Um they will also sometimes use, like, sand to blind their victims. <laughs> I think my toddler has used that. That's exactly, like, what I think of. Like, just, ah. Yeah. Oh, geez. Um, and so after they blind the victims with sand, they then kidnap them, and they will push them off a cliff. Oh, my God. So they're naughty, naughty little guys. Yeah. They're just, like, little spoiled brats. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Um, okay, so if you see one, you need to leave it alone. Like, don't even acknowledge that you see it. Just keep going about your day. <laughs> this is sounding more and more like a toddler sounds- throwing a tantrum. <laughs> <laughs> Just be real Just quiet and calm. <laughs> don't stoop to their level, okay? Uh, <laughs> that's so funny. Um, they could be you. You have to leave them alone because they get annoyed really easily. <laughs> Oh, my God. And so once annoyed. Oh, my God. Now that I'm thinking of a toddler, like, just listen to this. Okay. Once annoyed, they will follow you and play tricks on you or convince you to commit suicide. Oh, my gosh. So like a kid. <laughs> yeah. no, I'm just kidding. Master manipulators for sure. Um, Jeez. Oh, but they also, when they get mad, they might kidnap your children. Like, they're known for kidnapping and killing kids, too. Oh. Okay, now now it's real. Now right. it's scary. <laughs> yeah. So, um, it was thought that like way back when they actually coexisted with humans, specifically uh, Native Americans, but they were kind of misunderstood and they were driven from their homes. There's kind of like a whole folklore backstory on this, but mm-hmm. it was a lot. So. <laughs> Um, I figured people could read it because, I mean, Puck Wedgie, like, you got to Google this thing just to see what it looks like. Yes, Um, I'm dying to see, like, a picture of it. Yes. (laughs) So they they became really vengeful after the Native Americans, like, pushed them out of their lands and stuff. And so they would kill Native Americans, and the Puck Wedgies were thought to have control of the souls of the Native Americans that they killed. Oh, no. And their souls, they could light them, like, use them as lights, and they would look like orbs or, like, wisps, Mm -hmm. and they would lure people into the woods with the little balls of light. Yeah. Which I'm pretty sure I've seen in some fairy tales and I, I would like 100% follow them. Follow them. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm thinking of Wisp, the character in, yeah. in Animal Crossing. It's like a little. Oh, yeah. He makes you go and look for those orbs. Yes. Sorry, That's off topic, exactly. but let's continue. Um, okay. And so they're obviously forest dwellers. And 
they're known to be in places that like already have supernatural areas. So one of the places, it's mostly in Massachusetts, um, but I'll get to that a little bit later. But they are thought to be in Round Rock, Texas, Hmm. which is where Vilma and I are in a wedding in September near Round Rock, Texas with our wonderful friends, Alex and Eric. Um, and my family, actually, yes. my in-laws, they're in-laws. more than just my friends. I'm just, a, I'm extended family. <laughs> Love you guys. <laughs> but um, so I hope we don't get like drunk at the reception and, and go chase orbs <laughs> in the woods. I well, hope not. Well, no, not to do that. Yeah, but exactly. Hope, well, you know, if one of them made an appearance, I mean, that's one way to get everybody. <laughs> First of all, if I start yelling puck wedgie in my puck bridesmaid's wedgie. dress. <laughs> Oh, Lord. That would be great. Oh, God. Alex, I might just have to do it anyway. (laughs) Um, No. (laughs) So if you are familiar with the name Puckwudgie, um, which it does sound like I'm saying wudgie, but wudgie, (laughs) it is because um, it's actually a name of a, in the wizarding world of Harry Potter, one of the books. So in the American house... Um, it's, it's the name of a house in the American, how am I trying to say this? In the American version of Hogwarts. And it is oh, called okay. Ilvermorny, um, is the name of the wizard school. Yeah. In the American America. one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so Puckwudgie is a name and you can actually like be sorted into house Puckwudgie. Oh and there's God. like YouTube videos of people who have been <laughs> sorted into that. Um, but it's actually kind of cool because it represents the heart of a wizard and it favors healers, huh. which I don't, I think that it's very specific in the wizarding world of Harry Potter because I'm thinking like everything else I've read about Puck Wedgies. Yeah. yeah. And so they're actually, they're the oldest mythical creature in North America. Okay. Yes. And hmm. I thought that was really kind of cool. Yeah. I mean, I've never heard of it. Yeah. yeah. No. Um, they are the oldest, and so they are thought to have originated with the Wampanoag tribe and the Algonquin Indian tribe, mm. um, which are also the tribes, when you research it, that are thought to have, like, pushed them out. Yeah. So, um, they're definitely more active on the eastern seaboard, like the east coast, specifically in Massachusetts. And in areas of Massachusetts, there's actually Puckwudgie crossing signs. Oh. Yeah. Like, legit ones or, like, for fun ones? I'm sure they're for fun, but, I mean, like, apparently, there's, like... There's been spotting. Yeah. And there is... Sightings. Yes. I didn't mean spottings. I meant sightings. And my sister, you know, she lives in Massachusetts and goes hiking constantly and has been a through hiker with all this stuff. And so I'm like, I'm going to ask her about this. Yeah, You know. That's kind of cool, though. Yeah. So that is a puck wedgie. Kind of like a Sour Patch Kid, but never sweet. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) They're so... I'm burping. I'm sorry. I'm drinking beer, y'all. They're kind of cute, but they're also ugly. Like, there's... I mean, kind of like kids again. (laughs) But, like, this is a cute picture. Yeah, it kind of looks like an like Sonic the Hedgehog's grandfather, right? <laughs> and then, then there's this one, and that one looks a little bit more like um, <laughs> what's uh the creature from Lord of the Rings that takes the ring? Oh, Smeagol, Smeagol, yeah, Smeagol. Um, yeah, it but him, like but like 
as a porcupine <laughs> because this is all probably those spikes. This is we'll probably post both of them. We'll yes. probably just post two. They're very interesting. Yeah, it is. I mean, for something to be like that much, like I mean, granted, like goblins and trolls and all that, like that's nothing new in yeah. folklore. Yeah, but this uh, one is different. Do you think maybe it's not so well known because it doesn't just roll off the tongue? Like, yeah, you know? <laughs> I think so. Yeah, and they don't have like a a cute name. Puckwudgie. I mean, Puckwudgie. and I don't know Puckwudgie. exactly where Puckwudgie originates from. I mean, obviously we know it's person of the wilderness, but yeah, like I don't know where that came from and the so roots. Yeah. anybody is into like words and stuff yeah. <laughs> what are the roots of this word and where do they come from i mean like you know my friend google knows but oh yeah i guess we could do that we want our listeners that's to no tell fun us. no no <laughs> no yeah but it's really fun i mean you know yeah look that, it up. that was cool yeah definitely google it um if y'all want to see the source notes then ob- there always be in the yeah. podcast notes. Yes. We have all the sources. Yeah. So. <laughs> um, speaking of the internet and like how easy it is to get things off of the internet. Uh-huh. Today in the car with my mom, um, I was like listening to Bad Bunny because you know, he's like super hot right mm-hmm. now. And I was like, okay, Bad Bunny, listening to it. And my mom's in the back and she goes, do you have any, uh, you have any Juanes? And I was like yeah like all I would have to do is like type it in uh-huh. you know I have everything technically you know on my phone she's like do you have any uh what was that one band and she's like, I'm like mom whatever it, it is a CD. I can yeah I was like this isn't like music I have like saved on my phone like yeah. I can just put it in and so it, cute. we can listen to it so whatever your heart desires I'll find it that's adorable your yes. mom's basically the size of a puck wedgie <laughs> She's way nicer. Yeah, she's nice. Well, except one time when she bullied me into drinking mango juice. But that's a story story for another time. time. (laughs) Hilarious. All right. Well, thank you guys for listening. Yes. Uh, Like, subscribe. Please give us ratings. It pushes us, you know, to the top of lists. Yeah. If you want to give us a five-star rating, give us a five-star rating. If it's anything below that, forget we asked you to rate us. Yeah. If Just you kidding. don't like something, <laughs> feel free to DM us and let us know so we can like possibly grow or tell you to <laughs> shove it. Um, I promise we will never do that. We are too nice. But seriously, like if you do have like concerns, questions, like DM us, let us know. Um you know, please give us a chance to make things right before you just hit that one star. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, and so find us on Instagram. Please, please go like our Instagram. We post pictures. Um, we post stories a lot. It makes it makes the um, the stories kind of connect. Like when you can see someone's face. Yeah. Like you're like, oh, wow. Like now I understand that story a little bit better you know the victims out there and the monsters that go along with it so yep and if you have a story and you want us to read it on air then uh please dm us on instagram you can tweet us i'm sure i'll see it at some point um or you can email us at wickedcruelpodcast at gmail.com all right bye bye